Before becoming a fashion entrepreneur, today's guest was a CFL champion who spent eight years as a professional football player. After four seasons with the BC Lions, he was traded to his hometown Toronto Argonauts and during his move tasked himself with finding his girlfriend, a beautiful Brazilian girl, the perfect parka to help her adjust to the harsh winters in Toronto. He became so defeated in this quest to find the perfect parka for her because there was no Canadian-made animal-free parkas on the market. So what does he do? He turned to his longtime friend and master tailor, Anthony DiBartolo, to design the perfect warm winter parka for his girlfriend. The final result of their creation is Wuxley Movement, a Canadian-made animal-free outerwear company utilizing revolutionary tech-based materials that are lighter and warmer while being respectful to the planet. My guest today is James Yurichuk, CEO of Wuxley Movement. I caught up with James to chat about life after football, how his experience as a pro football player has helped him as an entrepreneur, and how he's been able to quickly pivot his business to produce over 1 million units of PPE to help frontline workers during the pandemic. You're listening to The Andrew Quelo Show, the world's only podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs in fashion. All right, Jimmy, James Yurichuk, we're live, brother. Welcome to the pod. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me, man. Man, you know, I was texting a couple of my friends uh, earlier this week about having you on, and they were like, holy shit, is that the guy that was on breakfast television that, you know, is pumping out a million units of PPE for frontline workers? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so, you know, your recognition, man, like people people see what you're up to. Congrats on that, uh, on that big win. Yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, we're really proud of that. Uh, you know, obviously helping the, the frontline workers, but also, um, you know, since, you know, uh, well, I guess we'll get into my business later, but I've always been proud to to make stuff here in Canada. And uh, so to be able to do that in Canada is pretty special for us. Yeah, totally. You know what? Let's actually, let, let's go, let's start with your business because, you yeah. know, I want people to kind of get a, a context of, who you are and what you do and you know what Wuxley movement is so why don't you you know why don't you introduce us to to everything you're doing over at Wuxley yeah sure uh so uh Wuxley started uh back in 2012 2013 I was playing football in the CFL at the time uh I had been traded from the BC Lions to hometown Toronto Argos and I, I was dating my Brazilian girlfriend at the time and uh, I had a we arrived in December and I had to get her first winter jacket and she's never experienced a winter. Uh, she's used to plus 30 in December and I was going to introduce her to minus 30. And so uh, as soon as we got to town, one of the first things we want to do is get a nice winter coat. And of course, who does winter coats the best? It's us Canadians. And yeah, so I want to, I want to give her main Canada coat. And uh, so I took, took her for a stroll on Queen street West and they had these cool brands and stuff. Um, but you know, I always just came from a household, warm household. My mom, uh, was a teacher. We recycled. So we're really sustainable. And I just wanted to get something kind of like up that lane. Um, and they didn't really have anything made in Canada that, you know, kind of like animal friendly and, and sustainable, kind of that, not a hippie vibe, but just, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit, um, more sustainable, I'll say. And, and uh, so, I took that information and I, I went back and I didn't have any design background or anything, but I'm like, I had some time and I was watching a lot of Dragon's Den at the time. And, and so I uh, started hustling and trying to figure out how I'm going to get her this jacket. So 
started pounding pavement, ended up in North Toronto with a, a coat maker and uh, did that first sample jacket. Uh, it went to her and it seemed to have worked out because uh, she stuck around that winter uh, and many more. We got married, uh, she became a Canadian citizen and now we got three kids at home and you know the rest is history. So that was the start of our brand. Um, Live Warm is our brand mantra of Luxley that goes beyond the jacket benefit. It's uh, live warm in your everyday life. And that's what we're trying to encourage. And, and it's the whole why behind our brand, the North Star. And so everything centers around that. And now we are, uh, now we are uh, in our, uh, we started 2015 through a Kickstarter. Um, it was a hit right off the back. People really love that uh, we had this made in Canada product and we brought this animal free angle. And then as I learned the, the fashion industry a little bit more, we keep on pushing the limits each year to make it more sustainable. And, and, um, and now uh, we're in 2020, we've uh, been around just about five years. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've opened doors across Canada and uh, into the US a little bit and uh, a lot of direct to consumer business. Really cool, man. So, um, you know, touching on the Kickstarter, like how, do you recall how much you guys raised in, in that, during that campaign? Yeah, we did about uh, 80,000. Wow. 80,000. Yeah. That's great. Did you, did you top me off or what with yours? No, uh, no, you taught me. I think we did like 60 or something like that. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. So you want, you got me there. <laughs> yeah. I don't want, don't feel bad. I, I got a few, I pulled a few friends into uh, rally us back, <laughs> rally us by. <laughs> I mean, that's where it starts, right? Any good business kind of, um, you know, starts with that initial tribe of family and friends that kind of yeah. give you that push to keep going. So um, yeah, I totally get that. And then do you think if, if like looking back, you know, without the, the, the Kickstarter, the crowdfunding, like, would you have been able to launch the brand? And like, how would you have gone about it? Do you think if, if that wasn't the way to, to raise money? Yeah. You know, that was, that was a big, uh, big, big reason we were able to like start because, you know, getting into a store is so dang hard as you know, like so hard. This, you, you gotta like, like every little detail of making a product, every little branding, you know, if anything's just off, it looks amateurish, they're going to sniff that and you're going to be done. And, and you got to, you got to be able to know how to do business. And, you know, I, I came from like a blue collar family and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to invoice. I didn't know how to do all this stuff. So, you know, I think going direct to consumer that helped me to, to learn a lot of the business aspect. Uh, but some of the stuff that we used to do in the early days and even up to the COVID period, we did a ton of hustling and just getting to markets and, and just getting in front of people because uh, we just had a high end product and uh, you know, it's hard to, to invest in something that's, you know, seven, 800 bucks uh, just online. And so, you know, we had to really get in front of people and sell them that. But uh, I think that worked to our benefit because, sometimes when you're selling a product online, you have it out there and you don't really see the faces and the reaction on the other side of the screen. But, you know, when, uh, when I'm, when we pitch this, you know, a thousand times every weekend and we see people like, uh, you know, you, you pick up little uh, cues that are like, Oh, that's interesting. When people, when you pitch them little things within the jacket, then you're like, okay, we got to lead with that a little bit more. We lead with that. And so it's good learning experience, just getting in front of people. 
Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Um, and I totally agree with you. Last year, uh, you know, so I would say like my business, same type of progression. We launched on Kickstarter. We have an online presence. We work with retailers, but uh, we never really had that like one-on-one -on -one kind of interaction with our customers. And um, we did the one of a kind show last year. So for anyone that doesn't live in Toronto is listening to this outside of Toronto uh, or Canada, the one of a kind show is a direct to consumer show that is hosted biannually here in Toronto. And the winter show is by far uh, the bigger one and it attracts a lot of people that basically come and do their Christmas shopping there. And it was really cool to like be there and like have people physically touch and feel the product and give you direct feedback. Yeah. Where, you know, in an online world, if you want direct feedback, you got to like reach out to people via email, you got to like yeah. disturb them from their day, it becomes really yeah. challenging to get to get, you know, even even like you said, just like physical cues from people like, yeah, it was so helpful to see like what people liked and didn't like, and it helps you adjust. Yeah. yeah, no, I've I've heard I've heard great things about that. One uh, of the kind show. And uh, we just never got out to that one in particular, but uh, everyone that told me about it said it's a great one. And, um, you know, I, I, whenever I speak to, you know, other brand owners and, and, you know, when they're doing the same thing, I always tell them like, Hey, get in front of people, like get, get, see what their reaction are, see what they really love and uh, experiment with like different markets and stuff. And, and that's what we did. And sometimes, Sometimes it hits when it hits, you know, okay, we got to, you know, we really got to press in this and then other markets where you think that it's going to hit like, Oh, this makes sense. It should be hitting. And it, it didn't hit for some reason. And, and you figure out why. Yeah, for sure. I mean, entrepreneurship 101, right? Trial and error, um, yeah. you know, test everything. And, and you, sometimes you have a market for your product that you don't even know exists. And the only way to find that out is to, you know, tell people your story, do shit that like maybe makes you uncomfortable, like getting on podcasts or whatever. Like, you know, you yeah. just, you just put your best foot forward and, and, you know, hope to find the path that, you know, the universe kind of takes you on. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a, you're a CFL champion, great cup Appreciate champion, it. right? Appreciate um, it. You win that in BC or in Toronto or both? I, so I, I won that in uh, BC. Right. Uh, so when I, when I got traded to Toronto, uh, they won it the year before and I played in Toronto for four years. And then after I left, they won it the year after. So I played in between two championships. So, you know, usually, uh, players are known to be like the C or the missing ingredient. <laughs> I, I was like the over seasoning, like they couldn't win when I was at it were too much seasoning when I was there. So I had to. I had to leave. I took one for the team so they could win, win a championship. So, you know, I felt like I was part of that process by me leaving. Yeah, that's, that's funny, man. That's really funny. So, like, what do you, what do you think that experience as a CFL player, um, as uh, someone who's been part of a, a championship run, it doesn't matter what, you know, I'm a sports guy. It doesn't matter what sport you play. Yeah. at what whatever level it is like winning a championship no matter what is a very challenging <laughs> yeah what do you think that experience has taught you in the scope of being an entrepreneur yeah you know I think I think uh 
like the whole the whole thing about sports just so relatable to business and and more more like winning the more than uh when i've learned more from some of the like the uh the challenging times is more relatable uh to winning a championship like uh you know i remember being at my first training camp and um you know i i was drafted and uh you know, everyone kind of just assumed that, uh, like, we had a party in my basement, uh, you know, we had 30, 40 people, and I got drafted, and, like, everyone just assumed I was going to make the team, but, like, uh, you know, we're having a party before I left, but, like, one guy, like, took me aside, he's like, he's like, James, he's like, you know, there's so many people you don't realize that are, are kind of riding on you, like, uh, you're going to make them so happy, like, you got to, like, do this, kind of, and, and, and that's really what it was. He he was giving it to me straight. It wasn't no ice creams. Uh, it wasn't ice cream Sunday. Like he gave it to me straight. Like and so I had to make this team. And I, and I was really a bubble guy when I got there. And it was just the most challenging time in training camp. Um, burning the candle both ends. Like physically exhausted. Like 16, 18 hour days. And you know when I get to entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship, like. This is some of the things too, like, um, you know, everyone knows that you're out there. Um, you know, we got, you got this brand. It's, it's obviously so hard to make it in a business these days. And, you know, people are kind of riding on your success, like whether it's like, you know, your brothers, sisters, your cousins, or your friends and stuff, they, they want you to do well. And, and you don't want to let these people down. That, that's kind of like the same, the comparable pressure that I had between in sports and, and then, um, you know, I think uh, playing on a football team is like being in like a human laboratory. Like I, I got, I was with, you know, 50, 60 dudes, most of them like alpha males every day. And, you know, you got to be uh, kind of like a chameleon just interacting with it. And, you know, if you, if you, whether it's like you've, uh, when you get on a team or when you're building a team, um, you got to interact with different people all day, uh, whether it's people within your own team or vendors, you know, they, they're kind of on your team too. And, and uh, so I, I picked up a lot of stuff there and like communications being uh, in sports that I took to entrepreneurship. And then to the last part to being like a champion and stuff, um, you know, there's, there's certain things that we did off the field that, that help us win a championship and, and just really gelling as a team and, and, um for all the great teams that I always played on it's just because we like gelled so well like it wasn't just like you know we came to the locker room played and then we're out of there it's like no we came to the locker room we played then we're at the you know we're having beers after we go to the bar you know we're having lunch the next day together it's you know visiting families and and, and stuff like that and so you know those those are a few of the pick uh key takeaways I had uh from my CFL experience yeah, I mean, it's 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 totally relatable. I, you know, I, I think too um, that something that might go overlooked or maybe not necessarily overlooked, but that's almost subconscious is like, you know, I, I read I read a lot of books now, obviously to like optimize productivity and you know become the best entrepreneur I could possibly be. And um, you know, a lot of the the common thread I find in these books is you want to surround yourself with a good group of people. And I think, yeah. you know, in your case, being in a room of 60 alpha males who are, you know, vying for playing time, you know, you're working out of the gym with these people, you're basically becoming 
you know, a, a human at the highest level, just maximum yeah. output. Yeah. It's almost, you know, training, I guess, in a sense for, for entrepreneurship, because, you know, you need that same level of intensity and yeah. you, you need that, that group around you to kind of help elevate you. So like, do, do you have, do you have a team? Like how big is your team at Wuxley? So, uh, we have, we have about, uh, 15 people now. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been, you know, so just slowly growing since, you know, it's it just two of us to begin with. And, you know, I was like the first full-time guy kind of deal. And, uh, you know, just slowly added the team, like, uh, and, uh, yeah, now, now 15. So, so how, you know, the old adage is that CEO is not necessarily the smartest person in the room, but does a really good job as an architect choosing and selecting the people that, you know, work with him. Uh, yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, I got lucky with like some of my selections, not so lucky with some of my selections, but luckily my sister is, uh, you know, a senior HR person. And so I'm like, I kind of like, uh, give full trust in her to to bring on the right team and and uh people uh our latest hires who have been the best is uh references from our team members and people that they've worked with before and stuff and and uh we just we've been pulling those people in and they seem to be working out great but uh you know i i'm like a 50 50 uh shooter when it comes for for the hiring Hey, 50, 50 is good. If you were a baseball player, you'd be making millions. <laughs> um, so what's that experience like working with your sister? And I'll, I'll ask this question because I work in a business with four friends. Um, yeah. And you know, that's challenging enough. I guess we're all like family at this point. We've been friends for 15 years or so now. Wow. So like what, how do you find that experience of like working with someone that's really close to you, like a sibling or a loved one or whatever? Yeah, no, uh, I think it's great uh, with uh, with my sister because she's it's some, she's like my advisor and stuff too. Like she's my older at the end of the day, she's my older sis, so like I have to like take in some of the knowledge from her too. And uh, she has a lot, of, probably more professional experience than than I do, like in a workplace and stuff. Like this is my first time even working kind of like with with females. Like when I played football, just all males, and then. You know, I've only been in a, a workplace like this for, you know, five, five years or so. And, um, you know, I think it's a good dynamic. It's like it's having someone like a rock that you can like trust 100 percent when uh, when you have like a family member there. And uh, so it's really good. And then my brother, my brother uh, has been helping with our our media since day one. And, and so, you know, it's a family fair. I got like cousins that like help with our sales and stuff like they're not like full time, but you know, they're just, uh, they just like the guys that like worked at like foot locker and stuff when they're in their, their, uh, teenage years and, and they're engineers now, but they, something that doesn't leave you that sales people like just like getting in front of people. It's being social and talking to people. And, uh, so they come out once in a while when we go to markets. Dude, like, I, I know why you say that you, you know, feel all this pressure from your family now. You're basically, this thing has to work. It has to work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. Like, uh, definitely have to take care of, like, our, my friends or friends and family with, uh, if, if we're ever to have, like, good success and stuff, for sure. 
Yeah, man. Well, you know, it, it makes it, uh, you know, not that you need the pressure, but it probably helps waking up every day knowing yeah. that, hey, like, A, you get to go to work with your family, but B, yeah. you kind of feel a sense of responsibility and, and um, yeah. you know, you don't really get to take your foot off the gas, which, which, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and like going back to the earlier thing with football, like, um, you know, every day when I used to get to practice my first couple of years, um, you would, you, as soon as you got in the locker room, I'd, I'd look at my locker because, um, you knew if you're still on the team, you'd have a, a playbook there for like the, the, the day's place. Uh, because there's so much rollover in professional sports um, that like often people would be cut so often. Uh, I remember my first year, I had a locker here and a locker here. And I had seven different teammates throughout the year in these two lockers. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. And so like every day you go with this attitude, like, like you said, you got to have, you know, the foot on the gas all day long. And um I do that in entrepreneurship and it's not like you're going to be cut the next day, but if you don't have your foot on the gas every day, I feel like, okay, three or six months from now, you know, my, my uh, playbook's not going to be in the locker when I, when I get to work. That's interesting, man. That's a great analogy. And uh, it's good that you can use that experience to kind of motivate yourself. So that's, that's, that's really cool. So, you know, foot on the gas, um, like I mentioned off the top, you were recently on breakfast television. You, um, Wuxley has pivoted uh, during you know this pandemic, and you have an opportunity from the government to manufacture a million units of PPE for frontline workers. Um, I, I'm not sure if I said off the top, but congrats on that. It's obviously a big accomplishment, and uh, you know, um, you know, an, an important accomplishment, I think. Yeah. Given what we're going through. Let, let's start with the actual opportunity. Like, is, is that something that like comes to you because you are, you do have your foot on the gas, you're putting in the hard work. People know about Waxley, they know about the brand, they know about James, what he's doing, or like, is there a formal process to kind of win an opportunity like that? Yeah. You know what? Like, I, I think it was, I was just kind of like, in all honesty, when uh when the covid hit like it was a very scary time for our business um you know just like you know every business owner um was was affected in a different way and you know we we had like rents due we had all you know we had uh you know, we didn't have as many employees we did now we had to scale up a little bit um but um you know i knew we had to do something and and i i was just throwing up kind of Hail Marys in different directions. I'll be honest with you, and um, you know, we we tried to tell like, hey, let's let's go to our roots. Let's try to do like a Kickstarter, like not a Kickstarter campaign, but a pre-sale campaign for for people to to buy because retail wasn't buying. Everyone just <clears throat> right when it came, all all the retailers put their hands in their pocket kind of deal. Right, and and so we tried to do that, and, and you know, found the hard way that people weren't really buying too at that time, um, but you know, I, I kept on seeing opportunities like um, through the networks of like, uh, you know, we're looking for Canadian manufacturers. We're looking to, and I kept on just signing the forms and, and, you know, I just like a lot of Canadians, I wanted to help in some way, not 
not looking, not from a bit, not even from a business perspective, but everyone wanted, you know, it was our generation's kind of nothing's compared to war, but you know, we're war against this virus. Right. And, and, you know, this, this is probably the closest thing we'll ever experience to that in, in terms of like the back line of, you know, um, you know, manufacturers, Canadian manufacturers uh, having to getting called to action kind of deal because, you know, all the borders were shutting down and every, every country in the world were looking for those same PPE products. And so, um, you know, luckily we had the infrastructure to support uh, making these medical gowns. Uh, we committed, you know, like when the, when the virus hit, I, I kind of told our team like, Hey, don't, you know, don't be nervous, don't be nervous that we're going to let go. Like, uh, you're still here as long as you see my ugly mug around the office kind of deal. And, and, and uh, it worked out because we, we kept on like logistics managers, operation managers, designers. And, and uh, because we had all these things, we're perfectly suited to do uh, the PPE. And, and, and so um, took a lot of lift. We're working with like nine or 10 factories now uh, across the GTA. And, uh, but uh, it's, it's going good so far. We're, we're producing this stuff. So to put it in context, like on, on a regular, you know, a regular given year, uh, Wuxley just operating, making outerwear. How many factories do you work with here locally? Uh, probably like three to four. Okay. So you, four. you have to double, yeah. you have to double your relationships and production to. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's a little, and that would be like, segmented throughout the year like this is everyone same time and it's uh yeah it's quite a challenge like canadian manufacturing it's not like uh it's not like going overseas where you're like you write down like what you want you show a picture like and you're like give me this and you know a couple months later they got the stuff just rolling in and canadian manufacturing it's like it's a whole different beast because every minute counts uh, when you're when you're Canadian manufacturing, when you're working in a facility with, you know, 50 to 100 sewers, you know they can't start the work until you have each piece. And in a jacket, it's 45, 50 pieces. In a gown, it's nine or 10 pieces. So it's not too bad. But still, if they're missing one piece or there's any break, that means that the you know, the assembly line is kind of stopped for a bit. And you know, if you got 100 workers that aren't working for 15 minutes or an hour or two hours that's a lot of money and and so you just can't let that happen uh overseas you know it's they're not paying that much and so it's it's a whole different uh dynamic when manufacturing in canada I, and i tell our team uh it took me a few years to learn this but like when you're when you're doing canadian manufacturing even though you're paying the, the manufacturer like they're your, uh, they're your customer. They're, they're investing in you that they're, that we're going to give them a profitable, uh, production. And so we got to do whatever it takes to make this profitable for them. So they want to continue working with us. And yeah. so, uh, that's, uh, you know, yeah, I, I say this cause you know, yourself from, uh, your, your manufacturing experience in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a it's a partnership at the end of the day right um when you don't own your production you count on on those on those facilities to help bring your vision to life and it's important to have that kind of relationship with them mm. so how how what was the window of time from when you found mm. out like hey 
James, you're going to make a million pieces of PPE to like the time where you actually were able to ramp up to eight factories. Like how long did it take you yeah. to, you know, find those additional yeah. facilities to help out? Yeah. Well, like, uh, we were, I guess we were early, uh, early adopters. Like when we got the call, like a, a medical company called us early in the game. Um, and they're like, Hey, we got fabric, uh, but we need someone to produce it here in Canada. And, uh, so we we called up uh five five or six of our manufacturers um their business had like totally just dropped because no one wanted to do anything in retail and we called them up we're like hey uh assemble for like a, a zoom meeting like today four o'clock and we're like hey guys we're making like a manufacturing alliance uh this is what's going on we're going to try to bring you some work and everyone's like yeah game game and uh we just started designing and and, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks after that, we are, we're kind of just starting to, to move some fabric to them and, and, uh, getting the thing uh, probably two or three weeks, I'd say, uh, before we started producing anything, but, uh, it was pretty rapid in, in, in terms of manufacturing time. Wow. You mobilized that really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting to see that like when, you know, under normal circumstances, you know, this just as well as I do, like. You know, sometimes you have things in production and you're like, I need this by this date and you don't get it for like two weeks. And like people just kind of become lazy and not lazy, but there's just no sense of urgency. It's, yeah. it's just so interesting to see in, um, in a situation that's like, you know, I don't want to say dire, but, um, you know, there's, there's a real sense of urgency. Businesses are, are struggling. People are sick. How fast yeah. you can actually mobilize people to to get shit done it's, it's like yeah impressive. and it's impressive that you were able to to you know lead that whole thing appreciate it yeah no uh you know it was, we we got lucky with you know these the manufacturers owner like the owners of these factories you know these guys are are great guys because they um you know they we always talk about like the frontline workers but like these you know the sewers back there like backline workers like you know when when the peak of the pandemic, when like, you know, you're scared to like walk outside without a mask on kind of deal. Uh, you know, these guys were in there sewing every day, kind of putting themselves at risk. They could have been on the couch uh, taking up the serve, but they, they were getting up in the factories and, and doing work and, and supporting our front line. Yeah, which is, you know, it's very important. You need people like that to keep the economy going, keep people safe. So, it, you know, it's, it's absolutely remarkable you know, what you've been able to do, um, you know, more from, uh, you know, an operational standpoint, or I guess a financial standpoint, you know, knowing what manufacturing costs here in Canada, a million pieces times, you know, X amount, I, you know, I'm doing quick math, like, it's, it's yeah. a big project. How, like, yeah. how are you financing that? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. Uh, you know, I had to, uh, I, you know, do one of these to the, to the bank, I'll be honest. And, uh, no, we put together like a good, a really solid business plan. Uh, you know, we work with the accountants. We did, uh, my guys at MMP, we did, uh, you know, good projections and, and, you know, it was something I was familiar with too. So I was lucky in that sense. Cause every year I did a, a finance round to help, uh, we're a bootstrap business too. Right. So, um, every year I did a finance round to, to grow my business 
And, uh, and so I kind of knew what to do on that front. And so I worked with, with uh, Scotiabank, EDC. So, um, you know, for the entrepreneurs out there, EDC has great programs where if you want a line of credit, they'll hook you up with um, set, if you're doing exports or in the special situation PPE, they can give you, uh, they can guarantee your loan 75%. And uh, I work with BDC and, you know, I've been working with them uh, for a few years now. So kind of uh, that helped get the, the funding together for the project to, to lay out the capital for all the materials. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a massive investment. So it's great to, you know, you obviously had that infrastructure in place and those relationships, with, which obviously helped you mobilize. Like, did you have any pushback at all from kind of your, your finance partners at the beginning? Were they kind of like, whoa, like, are you guys sure oh, you can do this? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we, had to, we had to really prove a case. And, and, you know, they kept on asking more questions. And we always came back with, like, the right answers. And, that, you know, um, you know, I guess when, from the bank's view, they're, they're, like, they're trying to poke holes in everything. And they're like, where's the risk? And then you always have to come up, what's the mitigant? There's going to be risks along the way, but what's the mitigant uh, between each risk? And, and you know, we, we felt like, you know, we put together a good case. And they're like, you know what, they tried all these different things and we kind of had the answers and they're like, okay, we'll lend you the money. Yeah, I get the game. Actually, before I quit to, to run Monty & Co. Uh, full-time, I actually worked in like commercial banking. So I was that guy poking holes in, in your plan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, you know. I know what it's like. Um, okay, so, you know, let's assume the next five, six months go smoothly. You get... Yeah you know, you, you satisfy this purchase order, you put out a million units of PPE. What does Wuxley look like after this? Like, how do you see yeah. this playing out? Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's, it's obviously like a big ramp up in business for us. So it's like reinvestment in our business. And, and um, you know, it's allowed us to really expand our operations. And so, you know, we have, we have uh, quite a, quite a lot of different people within our operations, like logistics, uh, production managers, operation managers. And, and so, um, you know, we have this, we built this great infrastructure. And, and so we have, you know, we got to continue, we're reinvesting it all into the company and, and uh, you know, seeing where we can, where we can go with the Wuxley brand, you know, we're, we're still, we're still driving that. We're still driving the Wuxley brand and, and, you know, I think, you know, obviously retail is going to be a little bit different uh, through these next few years. And, and on the other side of COVID, like it'll never be the same. So, you know, we're, we're using this time to, to relook at ourselves and what we want to present. You know, we're, we're always had this, you know, five, six month selling window primarily. And, you know, we're, we're just analyzing that. And, and uh, but, uh, you know, so we're, we're trying to figure out ourselves right now too, but, you know, definitely uh, everything we're looking at this is a, is a great opportunity to reinvest in Wuxley. Okay. So, uh, you know, in, in light of that, like where, you know, if you look at your business pre COVID and, yeah. you know, if someone said to you, James, here's, you know, a million dollar check, grow your business. What, what do you think are two to three different areas that you would deploy that capital as the CEO of this business? Like, would you, would you, would you dump it into digital and learn more there? Would you like yeah. maybe focus on wholesale sales? Like where, where would you see yourself as a CEO putting that money? 
yeah, you know, yeah, like each, we didn't have that million dollar check, but each year, I, you know, you know, we had a fraction of that to like try somewhere. And, you know, I did the digital thing one year. I did the, I did the, uh, the market that another marketing thing one year and it to grow a brand, as you know, like it's, you got to push like everywhere at the same time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think like product, like, I think it's, it really comes down to product. Um, you know, everyone always like all my advisors always said, like we always, when we started the brand, we always had like a great story and our product was right here and our, our product has been evolving. We're kind of here, but now, now we have this great operations and the design and we have all these great manufacturing partners. Now it's like, we got to really push this product to the next level. And, and so we've been kind of investing in that over the last year and now we can just really double down and, and really have the best product. Cause you know, we, we have like a warm and fuzzy story that, you know, it's animal friendly, sustainable, but at the end of the day, people just want the best damn product. So that's what we got to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the quality, um, always wins for sure. But how, so on, on that note, animal friendly, um, you know, the sustainability, what are the jackets actually made of? Yeah, great question. So, uh, you know, within a jacket, there's kind of three layers. You got the outer shell. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're exploring some like biodegradable options there. Um, this year where we have uh, it, it, we have biodegradable insulation too. It's our first year going biodegradable. Uh, and uh, we, we just had, we have a poly cotton on the inside lining. Uh, we did recycle in the past and, and in one of our jackets, uh, we have biodegradable all three layers. And so people, it's not going to biodegrade while you're like out in a storm <laughs> or whatever, but like, <laughs> It, the scientists tell me it's going to biodegrade, uh, like in a, in a waste setting, like in a landfill setting kind of deal. Yeah, well that's, that's really cool. And like, how, how important do you think that aspect of the brand, you know, I guess the, in the sense, the brand ethos has been to your success. Do you think it's like, um, you know, have you found that over time selling it, it's a big differentiator or, or is it ultimately, the product that is really good and, and, and driving those sales. How would you describe that? Yeah, no, I, I think it was, it was the story that, that was the driver to begin with. And, but, you know, at, like the first year, you know, you, you get out and you get the early adopters and, and people believe in you so much. If you, if you have a good story that they're like, they're like, you know, I, I just love this brand, what it's about. They, they know they'll, they'll deal with the bull crap a little bit. Like, you know, if a, a button falls off here or there, they'll put it, but like, you know, when you get in your third, fourth year and stuff, like you got to make sure that you work out all those kinks. It's got to be a quality product. And, and, you know, for instance, uh, we, we, uh, we put out this one, uh, one batch of jackets that um, we found was, was uh, pilling a little bit. And, uh, we had over a thousand jackets and I, we called them all back and I never told anyone this. I, I grabbed all these, these jackets. We, we threw them to a manufacturer to rework them. Cost us over $50,000, but um, you know, that's what we did. It took a, a, a big hit and, uh, for us last year to, to kind of do that work. But you know, each, each time we put a jacket out there, our reputation's on the line. And so we had to, make sure we had a one product cause we're, we're selling for about 800 bucks. 
Yeah, you know, especially at that price point, it's so important to listen. You're right. You're allowed to make mistakes along the way. Um, yeah, you need to remedy those mistakes and and have great customer service to do that. I think that you know, you know, they say in the business world, like you go to a job interview or or even just in life, you only get one chance at a first impression. Like when you're selling, you know, a luxury product, it, that nothing's more true, right? Like you have yeah. one chance with a customer. And if they think you're completely full of shit and your product's not worth that price, you're yeah. never getting that customer back. So. Yeah, certainly like, yeah, like, and, and never than before, uh, more than now, uh, has that been more important with like social media and everything like that? Uh, the customer is always number one and you, you got to just smother them with warmth all the time. Yeah, warmth. It's all, it always goes back to warmth, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you, um, I mean, you've been doing this now four or five years. You obviously are a great leader. You've been able to mobilize, you know, eight factories, a million pieces of PPE in like a couple months, which is incredible. What do you think, you know, from a self-awareness standpoint, like what do you think is your biggest strength as, as the CEO of your company? Uh, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, uh, I'd say like just, uh, the work ethic and stuff like, you know, uh, I, most of the people are more, t or pretty much everybody's more talented than me, uh, what they do, but, you know, they know I got a lot of heart and stuff and I put all my passion into it. And so that kind of, I think, you know, trickles throughout the team too. And, you know, I, I like the amount of effort, like some of the teammates are doing to like make this project, like lift off the ground is, is just incredible. And, and, you know, it's, it wouldn't be possible without our, the team. And so, you know, it's, I think just really recognizing team and, and, um, you know, from all the, the athletic experiences, I, I think that's maybe uh, the best the best thing I can bring to the table. Cool, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that competitive drive and, and you know, the work ethic. I think work ethic's, like, so friggin' important. You know, there's a lot of smart people in this world, but, like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, I'm a, I'm a pretty firm believer that it doesn't matter how friggin' smart you are, or if you think you have the best idea on the planet, if you're not willing to, to put in the time and put in the work, then, you know, chances are you're probably not going to succeed. Yeah, that's it. Right? That's it. Um, yeah, can't, nothing, nothing beats hard work. Hard work. You had, uh, you know, in light of that, if, if, you, if there was one person that, like, you'd love to meet or maybe have as a mentor, who would it be? Yeah. Who? Um... I'm putting you on the spot at uh, yeah. 7 a.m. You know here. what? <laughs> you know what? I, I really go, I like, I really, uh, I'll kind of twist that. Like, I really go into, like, I, I try to surround myself with, like, a lot of advisors. Like, you know, I, I, I think every, everyone I go into with a humble kind of approach and, and, like, I can learn from this. If I'm speaking to a factory owner in, like, the middle of Winnipeg, like, I'll consider him like a mentor and advisor because, you know, he's been in that factory for 30, 40 years and he, he knows what the hell he's doing. And, you know, when, when I'm speaking to, you know, uh, a commercial banker and, and when it comes to finance, like, you know, I, I, I just kind of like treat the people around me like a, a village. Uh, and, you know, like, like I said, I came from a football background, like a blue collar family. I didn't, I didn't know what, 
I didn't, I don't know how to invoice or anything when I started this business. And so I really needed like a whole, a whole, uh, crew around me. And so I've never really thought of one person that, that I'd probably want to, um, you know, get advice from. Um, but it, but collectively, like the people around me have, have kind of molded the, the brand and company to, to not to where anywhere yet, but to where we are today. No, I mean, I wouldn't say you're, you're not anywhere yet. You're definitely doing really great things, especially now in a time where, you know, the whole country needs it. And um, yeah, you know, I, I think just touching on what you say that what you said there, you know, I think I alluded to this earlier, right? It's, it's you know, having those people, those, those top five people or whatever it is, you know, maybe it's 10 yeah. people around you to, yeah. to kind of, you know, elevate you and, and, and teach you. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that's it. I believe in that actually, you know, you know, talk, you know, speaking to that on my, I'm actually not at my home office right now. I came into the office cause my wife was sleeping. I didn't want to wake her up this morning and do this podcast. Um, <laughs> on my desk, I have written down like a list of 10 people and each one of those people um, is specialized in something, whether it's SEO or digital marketing yeah. or sales and they're just kind of people that I've met over the years that I keep in touch with and kind of, you know, I don't want to say leverage because it sounds like I'm using yeah. them, but I'm not, but yeah. people that I've just developed a relationship with to, to yeah. kind of help me navigate certain scenarios. So, um, yeah. you know, I really get, I really get that you do that as well. I think this is like the smart way to go about it. Certainly. Certainly. Um, listen, it's, uh, you know, time's running out here. You're a busy guy. Uh, I just want to say, like, thank you for, you know, taking the time to chat with me. Obviously, your business is 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 thriving. Uh, it's doing well. You, you know, I think I think the punchline here is you had a Brazilian girlfriend who's never <laughs> had a Canadian winter, and <laughs> you know, she's you're married to her with kids. You know, I think yeah. you're, I think the jacket were, you know, I think it's all about the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's brought a lot of blessings in my life. Uh, so, you know, I gotta, I gotta keep riding the jacket. Uh, no, but, uh, really appreciate you having, having me on, but, uh, we talked a lot about me today, but, but, uh, also I want to say I'm very impressed with what you're doing. You know, I was, I was checking out the brand Montinko It's it's a clean, clean brand. Uh, I, I know as another uh, Canadian manufacturer how how hard it is it, as it is to uh, to do this stuff. So, you know, keep keep at it, man. You're doing a great job. I really appreciate that, dude. That's uh, that means a lot to me. And uh, listen, before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where to find Wuxley. Yeah, what's up, everyone? So Wuxley, uh, you can hit us on the World Wide Web at uh, Wuxley.com, but. Also, if you're cruising on Queen Street West by Trinity Bellwoods Park, come visit us. Uh, we're at 884 Queen Street West. Uh, come in, say hi, try on some jackets. We have some beers in the fridge and some espressos uh, on tap there. And so uh, we're around. Uh, come visit us and uh, stay safe out there. All right, James, man. Again, really appreciate this. Keep fighting the good fight um, as, you know, this you know, we live through these interesting times and, uh, you know, I just, on behalf of myself, my team and, you know, anyone that's listening to this podcast, uh, we, we all really appreciate what you're doing and, uh, you know, keep in touch, dude. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on. You've been listening to The Andrew Quello Show. 
If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Mr. Andrew Quelo, and make sure to visit my website at andrewquelo.ca to subscribe to my email newsletter. I hold a weekly giveaway, and the only way to find out about it is if you're in my community of fashionpreneurs.